A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Today we have a story of destroying prized possessions. We'll get into that in a bit, but first, my neighbors finally got to see the real side of me. If nothing, what I'm sure of at this moment is that this would be the last time my neighbors would ever try to come after me or make me appear stupid. This scenario that I'm about to explain to you would teach them not to come after me ever again. To be honest, I don't feel super proud of what I did, but it definitely had to be done, and you'll see why I say so in a few moments. They pushed me to the wall and got what they deserved. Before giving a run-through of what happened, let me begin by telling you a bit about myself and how I found myself in this circus of a town. My name is David. Not that it matters to the point I'm about to make, but I choose to tell you either way. A 35-year-old man who very much cherishes his time of quietude and serenity. When I'm not at work, I prefer to immerse my days in the pages of books, sometimes tending to my mini garden of tomatoes, spinach, basil, and parsley. I was a simple person. I like the simple things in life, but as fate would have it, the neighborhood I so happened to find myself in was everything but quiet or peaceful. There was always some kind of event or the other going on, events that they would expect me to be a part of. If you're wondering why I chose a neighborhood that doesn't reflect my key values, well, you can blame that on my boss and the company I work for. A few days before Christmas last year, my department head called me into his office and told me that the higher-ups have requested a meeting with me. And while I went on ahead to the meeting in fear of being retrenched from my construction company, I was told that I was a perfect fit for the new opening in New Havens. This move was effective immediately, and I was to resume after the holidays. Of course, the thought of having to uproot my life from Las Vegas to the other side of the world was upsetting. It came with a 100% raise in salary and accommodation for two years. A good deal, so I took it. If only I knew that the neighborhood would be a nightmare. This was because of one family, one I grew to loathe this time past. The McAllister family, my rowdy neighbors. The neighborhood was already unsettling because they had a meeting almost every other week. Almost like I'd stepped into a family-knitted type of neighborhood. It was hard, but having the McAllister family as my neighbors? Now that was simply revolting to me. Their disregard for peace and their boisterous antics continually disrupted the already shaky, peaceful harmony of our community. Nights that should be filled with calm and rest are tainted by their raucous parties and blaring music. If you're one for books, like I am, you would find out that their very existence personifies chaos and disruption. They firmly and consciously established themselves as the proverbial neighbors from heck. It was worse for me because my house was built just right beside theirs. I believe their actions were intentional because they carried an apparent lack of concern for the peace and well-being of others. In every case, seeming like an atmosphere of pandemonium, you can be sure that the McAllisters always found a way to be in that mix-up. It seems as though their weekends are perpetually transformed into wild festivals, with booming music reverberating through the walls and infiltrating every corner of our once tranquil street. Laughter and shouting echo very late into the night sometimes till daybreak, while the surrounding neighbors are left longing for rest restlessly on their mattresses. One particularly frustrating instance involving the McAllisters unfolded on a balmy summer evening. The night was a bit breezy and it was just what any sane-minded person needed to rest from the day. 
I guess as you must have deduced by now, my neighbors were far from being sane-minded. Every hope that anyone on the street had to rest in silence was shattered by the McAllister's all-night rage. You would think that it was planned, because as the moon ascended into the sky, so did the volume of their music and party. It increased with every passing hour of the night. The blaring music reverberated through the walls of the whole neighborhood, and it was worse for me once again because it was easier for their noise to infiltrate every nook and cranny of my humble abode. I was just next door. Sleep became an elusive dream, and I just wondered through the night what would make them stop the shenanigans. I wondered if it was because they thought I acted like I was better than them. I mean, I'd heard them say it countless times. Not like they were trying to keep their words hushed. If they were keen to listen to their words, people from five houses away would have heard them. To be honest, I didn't understand why they would have thought that way. Since I moved in, I'd been at my utmost best. I paid a greeting to them when I'd settled to familiarize myself with them, but that was it. Right there and then on our first meeting, they'd invited me to a party they would be hosting the next day. But I'd humbly declined, telling them that I had a couple of books to catch up on. Of course, the books were a ruse. I was done with the last novel I'd unread. But a party scene? In a new neighborhood? Yeah, that's not really my thing. Reminds me of the one party my roommate bullied me into attending in my first year in college. I was the best neighbor since day one. I couldn't understand what made them feel the way they felt towards me. So that night I thought of their words again as the music kept on blaring non-stop. I thought of going over to their house to ask them nicely to tune down the volume, like I did the first time they had a party, but I knew that was just going to get on my nerves. The first time, I went over to their door, thrice, and each time the music was turned down when I was by the door, but as soon as I got back to my room, it was back up, like an intentional act. Yet, I didn't call the cops. I was new, and I didn't want to be that neighbor, but maybe I should have at that point in time. The McAllister's inconsiderate behavior extends far beyond their noisy mode of conduct. They routinely disregard the basic rules of civility, parking their vehicles haphazardly and without regard for the convenience and safety of others. They just always found a way to be on the wrong side of everything. Whether it was driveways being blocked or general road access being impeded, they were game. And the worst part of it was that they never seemed to see the wrong in what they did. If anyone needed evidence of how disruptive they could be to even themselves, one needs to just check their neglected front yard. Like every other building on that street, the front yard was once a picturesque space, like the other well-maintained gardens. Theirs had deteriorated into an eyesore that marred the aesthetic appeal of the entire neighborhood. The once pristine lawn had transformed into an overgrown tangle of weeds and unruly grass. Neglected flower beds, once bursting with vibrant colors, now lay barren and desolate. Trash and debris were scattered haphazardly, further accentuating the neglect that had befallen their once charming residence. The McAllister's disregard for community standards became painfully evident as the neglected yard served as a constant reminder of their indifference. The surrounding neighbors, who took pride in their meticulously manicured gardens, found themselves disheartened by the unsightly view that greeted them each day. I didn't make efforts to address the situation amicably, but I was aware that community members approached the McAllisters with polite requests to attend to the upkeep of their yard. I did not, and I couldn't have because I'd overheard them speak rudely with other well-meaning neighbors who had taken their time to talk to them about the state of their surroundings and the impact it has on the whole community. 
Their responses ranged from nonchalant shrugs to outright dismissiveness. It seemed they had little regard for the impression they were making on the neighborhood or the impact their neglectful behavior had on the sense of the community we all cherished. And to be honest, I was less concerned about how they managed their front yard. It was, in truth, theirs to do as they see fit. But where I draw the line is when this disgust begins to seep into my property. The parents were bad, but their kids? Well, I guess the apple really doesn't fall too far from the truth. In this case, the apple takes a step further in being more of a devilish impediment than the tree. As I said, tending to my garden was one of the simple things in life that I enjoyed and would do even if I wasn't getting anything in return. The simple bliss of tilling the soft soil and nurturing a tiny seed until maturity, till it was suitable to harvest. It gave me joy, and for some twisted reason in the head of my neighbors, I wasn't expected to derive as much joy as I did from it. As the seasons changed, I kept to my business, finding solace and joy in tending to my meticulously pruned garden. Each flower, carefully nurtured, was a testament to my love for the fine things of life, nature's beauty. It was a sanctuary where I could escape the chaos of the world, specifically that which the McAllisters created, and find serenity. Then came the McAllisters, Jack McAllister. As I stared down at what used to be the location of my garden, from my view it had been shattered beyond recognition when the McAllisters, in their ongoing display of disregard, carelessly trespassed upon my cherished sanctuary. I knew I had to make them feel this pain that I felt. I knew it. How am I sure that they were the ones? Who else could it be? Which other family in the neighborhood had a distaste for anything good and buttered up a vendetta against me? For declining to be in attendance at a mindless, raging party when I newly moved in. But it wasn't all about my thoughts. I had proof of their atrocity. That very moment, as I stood above my squashed tomatoes, relishing in the delicate aroma of my herbs. My heart sank as I observed the remnants of their recklessness, the trampled flower beds, snapped branches, and crushed petals. It was evident that the McAllisters and their lack of care and respect had unknowingly, or perhaps knowingly, caused irreparable damage to my beloved garden. But this time, it was their dog. As I began to examine what could be salvaged from my already destroyed garden, I began to notice paws. Dog paws. Recent dog paws. Thankfully, we had a bit of a downpour that day, so it wasn't much of a task to trace the paws, and you could guess where it led to. Next door. Upon second observation, I noticed that this dog had battled with a mouse in my absence, killing and leaving it right in my garden. Which family had a knack for a lack of civility, human disregard, and a likelihood to leave trash overflowing? You guessed right. My heckish neighbors. Enraged and devastated, I confronted the McAllisters, hoping to find some explanation or remorse for their actions, especially for not keeping an animal they took ownership of out of my yard. However, my words were met with dismissive shrugs and a nonchalant attitude. They seemed oblivious to the time and effort I'd invested in cultivating my garden, lying to the beauty and tranquility that it provided to both myself and the neighborhood. I was pissed. And one thing was clear, I needed to make them feel the heat. Perhaps become better persons and tend to keep their place in order. The sight of my once flourishing flowers reduced to a scene of devastation ignited a fire within me. I knew what I had to do. Obviously they were uninterested in a peaceful resolution or the well-being of the community. 
They needed to learn the weight of their actions, and it was up to me to ensure that they did. Each step I took was carefully planned, aimed at teaching the McAllisters a lesson they would not soon forget. The time for subtle hints and peaceful negotiations had passed. It was now time for them to face the consequences of their actions. They knew me to be easygoing and quiet. I've countlessly heard them say those words when they think I'm out of hearing bounds. Sometimes I think they forget I live just next door to them, but they don't know that I have a past record of mischief. Of course, nothing more than usual pranks, but for them, it would be pranks with an edge of revenge in it. With a mischievous glint in my eye, I executed a series of pranks designed to disrupt their everyday lives. I began with the mail subscription prank I'd read about on my daily feed of Dr. Banks' newsletter, and like the prank doctor, it was a stroke of genius. The McAllisters found themselves inundated with an array of bizarre items that defied explanation. Quirky magazines, catalogs filled with eccentric products, and even a monthly delivery of novelty socks left them perplexed. They scoured their mailbox daily, growing increasingly bewildered by the onslaught of unexpected deliveries. Of course, this cost me a couple of my hard-earned money, so I switched it up. They weren't worthy of my money. I decided the best prank on them would be feeding them with an excess of what they seem to enjoy till it gets distasteful in their mouths. And as I predicted, it was this prank that truly rattled them to their core. Imagine getting anonymous invitations to an extravagant party held at your own residence on random weekdays and weeknights. It sent shockwaves through their lives. The McAllisters were thrust into a whirlwind of chaos as uninvited guests poured in, filling their once-controlled space with a sea of strangers. They struggled to regain control, desperately attempting to salvage their disrupted evening, all the while cursing the unknown prankster who had upended their world. Yet they couldn't send them away. They were the party people. They couldn't not be, so they swore at the prankster underneath their breath. But this wasn't all. Every time the party came to a drowning close, and they thought they could get a good number of hours in bed before the daily activities, came the dreaded awkward alarm. The piercing, high-pitched sound tore through the McAllister's dreams, shattering the peace of their slumber. Disoriented and bleary-eyed, they stumbled through their home, desperately searching for the source of the unwelcome wake-up call, which, of course, they never found. Did my pranks work? Well, it's been three months since my last prank on the McAllisters, and although I have heard them point the fingers in my direction, they had no concrete evidence to pin me down. All they had were suspicions. But I had peace. Sanity had returned to the neighborhood, and I could have my nights of peaceful slumber. Honestly, if you're filing noise complaints and the cops refuse to do anything, what more can you really do besides return fire of your own? Fire up your own speakers when they're sleeping, if you can stand it, and teach them a little bit of a lesson, right? If they don't respect you, then I'm sure you're not going to feel too bad sending it right back at them. That said, our next story is, Wicked Nerd released an embarrassing video of me, so I smashed his gadgets. Have you ever had one of those parties when a nerdy kid hacks the computer and shares a couple of embarrassing videos of people in the party so that everyone can see? If you haven't, then you're lucky. Because my experience led me into some serious and Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Storytime is sponsored by BetterHelp. Nearly everyone at some point in their life will struggle with their mental health, whether that's something stressful at work, in a personal relationship, or something else. I know that I really struggled with anxiety in my early 20s, and therapy was a massive help for me. That's why I'm a massive fan of therapy, and today's sponsor, BetterHelp. If there is anything in your life, big or small, that is negatively affecting you, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. It's an online therapy service that, after finishing a small questionnaire, will match you with a licensed therapist, where you can book appointments that match up with your schedule at any place or any time. And if you feel like you're not bonding with your therapist, you can switch at any point for free. Also, therapy isn't just if you're struggling with mental health. If you're looking for guidance or ways to improve your social skills, life, or relationships, it's a great judgment-free way of doing that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com StorytimePod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash StorytimePod. Investigation, and apart from the discipline he got from the school authorities, I also gave him a good thing to think about by smashing his laptop and phone when he wasn't looking. Firstly, when this hacker kid started with his tricks was during our school dance, he hijacked the connection and somehow the music went off completely. All the dancing stopped. Our DJ, who was momentarily fraternizing, has to rush back to his stand to find out what happened. A roar of annoyance started in this student body. We all thought it was a minor issue, until the projector started displaying images. The first slide introduced the person behind the whole situation as the hacker kid. He had his own symbol, which was a mask, and he started by displaying a video containing many slides of pictures that could end people. Multiple photographs of a particular girl who was cheating on her boyfriend by kissing another boy was the first to be exposed. Her boyfriend quickly walked out of the dance with his girlfriend hot on his heels, begging. The next was the undeniable video of a guy picking lockers and stealing items from them. The school recently had an issue with missing items that were kept in their lockers. There was no security camera in our hallways because the school was too broke to afford it. They did say that an investigation was ongoing, and we students should be on the lookout for suspicious behavior also. The last one was a gang of boys doing drugs in the school car park. The school staff around for the dance immediately identified these boys and dragged them out of the party, including the one who picked the lockers. They would spend the rest of the term meeting with police people and so more until they could no longer continue with their education. Well, that was it for the whole dance. The hacker kid thanked us for watching his slides and signed out. After that, the music came back on. But what just happened was too dramatic for people to carry on like nothing happened. Apart from whispers about the people who were exposed, the question on my mind was who was this hacker kid? He seemed to be a total stalker. How did he get those pics and videos? I felt unsafe. My friends only cared about the dudes that were busted. They were amongst the coolest boys in our class. Continuing school would definitely not be the same without them, and more importantly, one of us, Bolivia, began to fidget because she too did drugs and we weren't sure that the boys in question would not snitch. And if they didn't snitch, that's fine. But could we trust this hacker dude? He was anonymous. 
he had immunity for that, and again, why did he not snitch Bolivia and all of the other people who dealt, but weren't in the video? Did he have some pictures he was saving to use later? Or did he know and was waiting for pictures to prove it? Either way, Bolivia had to stop dealing in school. Her friends were there to help her. I monitored her closely, but I was even more occupied with figuring out who this hacker kid is. The school authorities had a PTA meeting with no definite resolution because some parents thought it was okay for the hacker to go about reporting students the way he did because he needed it and it was the only way for him to do the right things without being identified. These parents were paranoid that thieves and drug users were in their child's school. They endorsed the anonymous method of the hacker because his safety was provided by the school. Say he reported personally and they got to find out who would not persist after school hours. The school thought it to be an unethical method. A person who could hack a school dance laptop could hack into the school system. Their files were unsafe. Confidentiality was at stake. Everything was wrong. It threw the school into a frenzy to secure everything and everywhere they kept data. While the other sets of parents were equally against the hacker because he was creating chaos in the school by discarding the need for privacy. Their concerns were about the first girl who was innocently kissing a boy. Nobody needed to know her business. The debate between the parents and school management continued. While in the meantime, school students were becoming more and more cautious. Even bullying was reduced. The hallways were full of well-behaved kids, and it was all thanks to the hacker. Some people continue to say that all the hacker came to do was to instill order in the premises, but that idea didn't last for long. Since the school sites and computers doubled up security, the hacker took to social media and text messaging. I don't know how he got the phone number of school students and staff. He probably hacked all that information before the dance. Anyway, the rest of the things he shared were dirty and vile. Videos of people making out in the toilet, videos of bullies peeing on another student, an audio recording of a male teacher's voice we recognized flirting with a female student, and by flirting I mean using extremely inappropriate language. Crap got real. More and more PTA meetings were being held. Some parents from the privacy side joined the paranoid guardians. The school management was now torn between the two. First of all, they had to fire the teacher involved. They didn't come out to thank the hacker officially, although he saved them further embarrassment if, for instance, a student got pregnant by a teacher or bullying got to the point of ending lives or bodily harm. Next, the school wanted to ban the use of phones in its premises, but nobody would allow for that. There was nothing to do but catch the hacker before he caused any more damage. And what was the damage really? Was it fair that any of this was going on without the school and parents' knowledge? No, but the school management decided to only send him home for a two-week suspension if found. There was a reward for whoever found him out. So the real search began. I had a head start because I started since the school dance. We had three names outlined. It had to be someone with access to the school's media equipment. Had to be a computer genius too, and he had to be good with video editing. The last point really didn't help, but the first two helped us outline three names, and the investigation began. Others were running after a kid who had a camera and a bubbling photography career up his sleeve. They suspected anyone who had those videos and pictures to be someone who had a camera and took random pictures for fun, which was a stupid suspicion because whoever took the pictures clearly didn't need skill to do that. Any phone could take those pictures. At this point, Bolivia was seriously battling withdrawal. 
She hadn't used hard stuff ever since and it was really affecting her mental health. We also tried to make sure she was never alone. Anyways, this hacker kid continued to post and send videos, clips, audio, and pictures to the school. It was clear that he already had a collection of those before the first day he decided to release them. There was so much in his store already about almost everybody, including times our principal put her hand in her clothes to handle an itch. A full week later, the hacker released a video about me. It wasn't just any video. I sent that particular one to my boyfriend and it was so cringe. He asked for it and I sent it to him. That video was so confidential. But how did it get out? My boyfriend lost the phone he was using at that time to the locker thief. And that was the only device that had the video apart from mine. So that meant that the locker thief was somehow connected to the hacker. We firstly went over to the locker thief. His name is Psalm. He was already suspended at that time, so we went to his house. He said that when he was suspended, they asked him to drop everything he had stolen, and soon after he dropped the things he still had with him, the school reported them missing. Apparently, they kept the news private because it would be charged to the school. That was about it. Our chase landed us nowhere. The locker thief's stolen goods were stolen again by the hacker kid, and the three names we outlined were ruled out because, after questioning, there was no way it would be them. We still had a little hope to catch the hacker, because if we just asked the school authorities where they kept the stolen goods before it was taken, we could have our guy, depending on who had access to that room or who was there when it was taken. My boyfriend accompanied me to the principal's secretary. She said she had no idea stuff was even recovered. We left, asking her to find out from the principal when she got back. After school, we came back to the office to find out the conclusion. To our shock, the principal herself said that she was not aware that there was any recovery. They'd also spend time asking the school staff, and none were aware also. She asked us which student told us this, and we gave Psalm out. He was playing tricks on us, and we needed to get to the bottom of it. I was facing some serious shame in school because that video leaked, and I wasn't going to take it easy on Psalm. His mother was called to bring him to school, where me and my boyfriend were there to categorically attest that we heard Psalm say to us that he returned the stolen items. My boyfriend was brought in first, and then me. We gave similar stories, although that didn't hold enough water. Whatever Psalm was doing, it was either because he was protecting the hacker kid, or he was the hacker himself. When we were told to leave, I had the time to find out. I went out and got to his house where I sneaked in. I ransacked his room until I found a locked chest. After giggling to myself that the lock picker had a locked chest in his room, I tried different combinations, but it didn't open. I started to break the chest, but I wasn't sure who would hear, so I took the chest with me home and called my boyfriend. He knew who we could take it to to jack the locks, so we did that immediately when we had the time to. Right in our present, the man skillfully opened the locks, boasting that there was no lock or safe that he could not open. We found out a lot about that chest. It wasn't just where he'd kept stolen items, but a camcorder which I believed he owned was in it. Evidence that he was both the hacker kid and the locker thief. It all made sense because this needy psalm kid was very skilled with computers, and he was a bullied kid too, so it could make sense that he knew when and where bullies did their thing after school, but why would psalm want to cast himself as the locker thief? The full video revealed that he was the one who dropped the camera and went to the locker, 
and then went back to the camera to pick it up after he was done picking the locker. I asked my boyfriend what we do, and he took the lead. We sent out the video with a new account and called it the Hacker Kids New Account. After that, we waited. It was all we could do. The next minute, everyone was talking about Psalm Online. It worked. Our plan to cast Psalm was in view. But the question still remained on why he snitched himself. I was afraid to sleep alone that night, so I stayed with my boyfriend until morning. In the morning, we dressed up and went to school. Psalm had another meeting with his mother and the school principal. The mother believed that he was right to be a hacker, if that was what he needed to do to express his feelings. Psalm was a bullied kid and the school authorities did nothing. She also posed that they were robbed last night because his room was a mess, but Psalm reported that nothing was stolen. Of course, he wouldn't tell what really was stolen because he knew he couldn't. His mother was already paying the school back through her nose for all the items the locker thief ran away with. So finally, Psalm confessed that he was indeed the hacker and the thief. He said he only did both because it was the only thing that gave him power within the four walls of the school. There were many other things he said, but he was forced to bring the videos he'd put up on social media down. Then he apologized to the school in our next assembly for digging into our private matters and causing us to walk on eggshells in school. That was it from him for a while. We heard that his suspension was extended but he wasn't expelled only because the school didn't give him a safe learning environment in the first place. Anyway, when the whole matter died down and nobody was talking about it again, it was like everyone had forgotten that the reason they were unhappy in the first place was because of the hacker. Relationships, friendships, and self-esteem had broken. I saw the girl who had kissed another guy. She had no friends again. It was like we all learned to live with the problems the hacker caused when in fact, his suspension wasn't enough of a punishment. I took my time to process what had happened and returned the chest to his room. Whatever he wanted to do with the stolen gadgets were his business. After duplicating all the files, I smashed his camcorder, smashed the laptop and desktop in his room, and left again. He never could tell who, out of the hundreds of people that he hurt, was in charge of destroying his gadgets. But it served him right for putting all of those relationships in jeopardy, destroying people's images, and making people have inferiority complex. Let's be real though, if this guy was this hacker, locker, thief, wise guy with this huge 4000 IQ brain, he probably has his own online backups, right? He probably has some stuff in some cloud storage somewhere. If somebody was smart enough to pose them as the locker thief, just so they'd have an alibi to not be the hacker thief, they probably still have some contingencies to hold on to this stuff, right? But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another absolutely crazy revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.